You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 78 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlanski, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat. How are you doing this week, Horwat? This is the latest we've recorded in a long time. <laughs> yeah, usually we don't do late night recordings, but hey. But here we, here are, we are on a Friday night. I just got back from work late. Uh, so I'm sitting back with a beer or two, and this week has been, well, newsworthy. Newsworthy. That is definitely the best way to put it. So, of course, we have a great show for you guys, because I, we, we usually have a pretty good show for you guys. But, of course, this week, we're going to dive into the Patrick Hornfist trade and the entire saga surrounding that. We'll also discuss the NHL possibly having butts in seats, having fans in the stands, and if that's possible how they could possibly do that, and what we would do if we were offered tickets to said games. Mm -hmm. Then we're, of course, also going to talk about the NHL awards, which were announced earlier this week, and finish it off with our pens poll and our shout-outs and call-out segment. And let's hope that I don't forget to edit in the intro this week like I did last week. And hey, you, you forgot to edit in an intro. I just forgot my shout-out last week. Luckily, I've came prepared. I have two for each. There you go. That's good. It's nice to have a backup. So yes. like I mentioned, we're going to get into all of that. But before that, a couple of things, just housekeeping items here. Of course, check out our merch site at tipoftheiceberg.whatforapparel.com. Right now, you can go on there and get any type of apparel with our logo on it. That's coffee mugs, face masks, t-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, whatever you can think of. We probably have it up there. Like I said, check it out, Tip of the Iceberg dot what for apparel dot com and then one other thing before we decide to get started it's always nice to know fun little facts and fun little tidbits and if anybody including you Horwat I don't know if you listened to the interview that Sam Poulan did Ooh. on the Scoop <clears throat> podcast this week I saw quotes from it I didn't listen to it though there were a couple decent quotes from it and a lot of stuff that's probably more noteworthy than this but the one thing that stuck with me is that Sam Poulan's godfather is Jocelyn Tebow. Former, Former Penguins <laughs> goaltender, Jocelyn Tebow. Now, that's not the what I really wanted to talk about. Right. What I wanted to talk about is immediately upon hearing that name, immediately I thought about the Penguins, quote-unquote, X generation, and the fact that I had multiple calendars as a kid mm -hmm. of their X generation promotion, and it was just... I went back and looked at a couple videos. We will definitely, I have them all queued up, ready to send out on our social media this week. But what did you, do you remember that at all? Oh, I remember the X Generation. Do you, actually, not only the X Generation, do you remember the promo slogan that followed the X Generation? I do not. So At went, least not off the top of my head. It went the X Generation, and then because, I forget the reasoning for it, they're like, well, they're, they're older now. They're their sophomore year, basically their second season in the nhl they decided to go from the x generation to the x force no 
I, I don't remember this. That wasn't a thing. I am almost positive it was because even I remember being like the X generation was way cooler. Because I can remember, I used to have, and I'm so mad I don't have it anymore. Like, you know how foam fingers are made? Yeah. Or like how University of Pittsburgh has like their panther claws. They gave out foam X's. I can remember this. I had one. <laughs> oh my God. It's all going to come back to me, but I, but yeah, we went from the X generation to the X force and it was the, well, weird... the thing is the X generation started before Crosby was drafted. That's right. And I think maybe that's it was what like it was. Alexei Morozov. It was like Constantine Koltsov. The, the team was absolutely awful and it still had Lemieux on it, which yeah. is great. But the team was absolutely awful. But when I heard that name, Jocelyn Tebow, the Mm -hmm. godfather of Penguins, 2019 first round pick Sam Poulin, my immediate thought was, of of course, those calendars I had as a kid of the X generation. When we post these ads, first of all, some of the text in it and some of the script for it is just absolutely cheesy as hell. But I remember the first year that I had that calendar, it was Jocelyn Tebow and Danny Sabarin. Or the goalies in it. But the immediate following season, neither of those two were on the calendar because it was Sebastian Caron and young rookie Marc-Andre Fleury. I found on eBay, Picklick? I don't know what this site is. This is weird. The X-Force magnetic calendar with oh, Jesus. Mario or not? Yeah, with Mario on it and like Crosby's like draft picture. Is it the one where Mario's like stepbrothers no, posing it's, with Crosby? It's, it's a photo edit. It's like Mario playing like in game mode. Oh, okay. And then just like okay. Crosby's draft picture. It's it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, so we were and the that's X for generation. Sale? Uh for three bucks. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's a must buy right now. I'll I'll give you some time to buy that as we move into something that's a little less fun to talk about. At least for me. I don't know your thoughts on this trade that happened, but the Penguins eventually Traded Patrick Hornfist. Of course, it didn't happen at first. The initial reports were that he was traded basically one for one. There was nothing else coming out for Mike Matheson. And then 24 hours later, it's finally finished off. And the Penguins traded Patrick Hornfist to the Florida Panthers for defenseman Mike Matheson and right winger Colton Sevier. Horwat. Before we break down this trade piece by piece, what are your what were your first thoughts and what are your overall thoughts on the trade of Patrick Hornfist? Well, I'm just going to hold up. Let me light my candle here. Oh, it's not lighting. Light a candle for Hornquist. Pour one out for the boy. Uh, that that was pathetic, by the way. <laughs> okay, I got it. There we go. It's a big light. We're gonna light a candle for Hornquist. We're gonna pour one out for the boy because uh, man, the memories he brought to this uh team uh, will definitely last forever. Those. More or less, you're not going to be able to talk about this trade without bringing up everything he did here, mm-hmm. just as a Penguin. Made his career here, it seemed, and then now it's over. It's one of those moves that I think we all saw coming, but kind of didn't want to happen exactly. As for the yeah. move itself, people are going to be very mad at my take here. I don't mind it. I'm for it. <laughs> because Ooh, yeah, another I'm not, move... I'm not sure how much I agree, but go ahead. Because another move has to happen. It just straight up has yeah. to. You know, we yeah. can't have that much of a log jam on your left defense. You can have a log jam. That's fine. We're going to have one regardless. But what this move does is it all but signs Jack Johnson's plane ticket out of here. You would think. You but... would think and you would hope. But 
Rutherford went on to talk to everyone's favorite super genius Mark Madden today and said if he was if there was a game tomorrow, our starting left D is going to be Dumoulin, Pedersen, Matheson. I don't care what you say, Matheson is better than Johnson, starting there. Matheson was better than Johnson on a worse team. Yeah. There's people out there saying Matheson's a forward, by the way. He He's not. He's a defenseman. He's a defenseman who can apparently move the puck very well, snipe if he really wanted to, and skate very well. I don't know deep numbers. I've seen those clips, and yeah. Did we want to lose Hornquist for it? Maybe not, but at the same time, if we didn't trade Hornquist next this year, it was going to be next year whenever it was going to be easier to do. He was gone regardless. He wasn't going to finish out his trade or his contract here. That's all there Wait, is. You're to. you're you're buzzing with this trade. Let me let me just say that right now. You're going like I have notes broken down that we can go piece by piece, but you're just going for it. I got, Keep it going, buddy. I got like one or two more things, and then we can move on. How do you say the other dude's name? Matheson and Sevier. Sevier. Okay, Sevier. I uh, that he's the one I don't know what to make of yet, because I I. He's, he's a, a fourth liner. Yeah, and we can't he, he's keep that fourth liner. And we can't keep that fourth line together. So that, so Tanev or someone's gonna have to move around up and down that lineup. And I can recall from this would be two years ago now, last year. I don't remember when we were doing a radio show at Point Park University. <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Immediately That's after, that is the point. Immediately after how we're getting swept to the New York Islanders. You were the one Rough calling memory. for Hornquist's head to be traded. I was. And not Phil Kessel's. So now you got your wish a year later. Um, I mean, now they're both gone. Yeah. But <laughs> I just recalled that and wanted to bring that up to you for your opinions on that because you did, you eventually got it. You wanted it last year. What did you think of his play this year while he was still here? I thought he had a much better season this season than he did the previous. Of course, he stayed a lot healthier this year. And that was a big thing for him. And that's probably a big thing that held up this trade in the first place was because of insurance issues, which was injury insurance, I'm guessing, for Hornquist being the elder statesman of this move of the three players going. Yes, I did. Just about a year and a couple months ago, call for Patrick Hornquist to be one of the guys being moved out. My reasoning then is the same reason that I would have traded him this offseason, and that is that he is 33 years old. He is prone to getting injuries, specifically concussions, Mm -hmm. and he's worth $5.3 million against the cap. Now, that's all fine and well if you can move him, but look who you moved him for, specifically in the price category. Oh, yeah. Now, before I get into any of it, before before I get into the trades and the logistics and my opinions and why this is an absolute dirt shit trade... I do appreciate everything Hornquist did for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You have to look at what you're losing in Patrick Hornquist. Realistically, what you're losing in this player is a great locker room guy, Mm -hmm. is a fantastic leader, one of the best the Penguins have had in the Sidney Crosby of Guinea Malkin era, not named one of those two. But at the same time, there's not much argument that Patrick Hornquist's days as a top six winger are far gone. Yeah. They're, They're gone. He's not a top six winger, especially on this team anymore with the talent that's up there. 
Yeah. You had to have the feeling that he was never really going to be what the Penguins need in the bottom six, right? You you had hoped he would be because he is the kind of mucker and grinder and gritty guy to go up front, in front of the net, I mean. But when that production kind of starts coming back a little bit, mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do because... He also needs to be in the lineup for that to happen. Yes, that and especially this season whenever our fourth line was locked in with three certain yeah. people and our third line became a circus almost with... Mm-hmm. Cahoon being shipped out, McCann not really getting a solid spot anywhere in the lineup, bringing in Rodriguez and bringing in, what's his name, the old guy, Marlowe. What's his name, the old guy? That's such disrespect. I know it the is. The sick, hungry guys are going to be after your ass on that one. Uh, you know what? It's whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah, continue. But yeah, whenever the third line turned into a carousel of who's going where, and then Bukestad came back for two games, like... The third line never became a solid entity either. While everyone else was kind of set in their ways, Hornquist kind of got put on an island that, hey, you're going to be on the third line and we're going to just shift everyone around you. Every now and again, you might move up. Oh, you didn't move up? Well, screw you, I guess. I mm-hmm. the, time was t- the time had just come for him. Yeah, and the problem being... He was really good on the power play for the Pittsburgh Penguins throughout his entire tenure since coming over from Nashville. He's been really good net front presence for the Penguins on the power play. But the problem being, I don't want to pay a guy $5.3 million to be a power play specialist. There's only one guy that I would pay to go out there on just the power play, and he plays for the Washington Capitals. So there's no other player that I would logistically want to pay just to have power play minutes because, I mean, Hornquist can't, play the penalty kill. We've established that throughout his career. He's not a penalty killing guy. I loved Patrick Hornquist's time. I'm going to miss seeing him on our team, but at the same time, he had no purpose left on this team. And you know what the best part about this trade is to me? The best part is Colton Sevier. And I know that's a weird take, but the reason I like Colton Sevier, he is strictly a fourth line acquisition. He is the guy that you are going to staple to the right of Teddy Bluger, and those two are going to get to know each other very well in the next year. He's 31 years old. He plays the right wing. He only has a year left of his contract, so if he's shit, then guess what? There's $1.2 million off your books next year. Yep. He's basically Zach Aston Reese, but he's not as good with the underlying statistics like Corsi and Fenwick and possession statistics. He doesn't have Zach Aston Reese on any of that, but he will put up six, maybe seven goals a year. That's fourth line right wing. Well, who is our fourth line right wing this season? Zach Aston Reese. Brandon Tanev. Brandon Tanev. I get left and right wing confused all the time. You can't blame me. Yeah, that's fine. But what have I been saying since the season ended? What do we need to see next year? We need to see Brandon Tanev moved up. That line broken up. Yeah. Correct. And what this basically does is guarantee Brandon Tanev is going to bump up in the lineup, play more minutes, play more meaningful minutes, and we get to see Brandon Tanev staple gun to Jared McCann on that third line. You can't tell me that those two, with the speed, McCann has the hardest shot on the Penguins, as far as they say. Until Lagare gets there. Well, correct, until Lagare gets there, but who knows when that's going to happen. You got McCann, you got Tanev. All you need is that missing piece on the left side. Who is that? Is it Sam Poulin? Who knows? Ooh. Might not be Sam Poulin. Is it 
Dom Simone. Oh, yeah. We still have him. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. So there's opportunity here for the Pens' third line to be really good. Plus, who knows what Jim Rutherford's going to do because there's still a lot of time left, and we'll get to it until the next season's even supposed to start. So that's my thoughts on Sevier. That's fine. He's a fourth-line guy. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Mike Matheson, on the other hand, I don't hate it. I I don't love it either. Like you, You're not supposed to, I think. He's 26 years old, so he is younger. He's getting into his prime. He's a left defenseman, which, yes, is the position that primarily Jack Johnson has played. Here's the issue. He is now the owner of the second highest cap hit for defenseman yeah. on the Pittsburgh Penguins for six more years. Six. Whenever we don't need I was... to worry about Rutherford. Sorry, one last thing. Go ahead. We don't need to worry about Rutherford signing the blasphemous long contract because he just traded for it. Yeah. That's a long contract for a defenseman that is pretty much what he's going to be in the NHL, which is a third-pairing defenseman. Yeah, so when I went through my analysis of Matheson, I strictly kept the contract out of it because that made me sad. Um, <laughs> It's a pretty big factor. It is, but for the time being, I think... I just wanted to be positive about something because, I mean, shit, every move Rutherford makes, he's being put on the cross, like, for how bad it is by everyone. I wanted to have some sort of decency to this one. I wanted to be the one that's, you know what, I'm going to try and enjoy this one. I'm going to try and look at the positives and say it probably pushes Jack Johnson out of the lineup. Okay? Do we get anything in return because for him? Probably not. Who, who cares? He's gone, most likely. We hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> Jack Johns is the biggest question mark on this team right now. But yeah. if Matheson can come in, and I was comparing him to Johnson this entire time doing this, a better defenseman on a worse team last year. Okay. Cool. We got that going for him. I'm not saying he's going to make himself worth every penny of this contract. I'm saying a new system, a better team, probably a better partner and whoever he gets paired with whoever the hell it may be the least we can do is enjoy the last year of what it is before it kicks into the real modifiedness modified no trade clause of it the thing is too we could still trade him it's a modified no trade clause if we don't like him we'll ship him to one of the teams he puts on his list Whoever strap his be. ass to a third round pick and send him right to Seattle. <laughs> that too. That too. We have that coming up. We really don't like him. We can expose him. And entice Ron Francis. Say, hey, you want a jersey hung up here? <laughs> you want a number retirement? Oh, boy. You want another one of those? <laughs> Take this defenseman. If we really don't like him, we have options. I'm not totally that- mad at it. I'll give him his year to try. Yeah. And I do agree with you that, yes, while I looked at him and know his underlying stats are not good, they were above team average for Florida. Yeah, he was, he, like I so, said, I'll keep saying it until the season starts, or until Johnson's gone. He was better than Johnson on a worse team. Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, you're you're going to love that saying. I'm probably going to hear it so many you times. You are. But he was also third on the team last year in defensive scoring in Florida. He had 20 points, which is not awful. It's not fantastic, but he's a defenseman. He's going to be a third-pairing defenseman. We don't expect him to go out there and put up massive points. My issue is, once again, 
And we talked about it whenever he signed his extension. Once again, the Pittsburgh Penguins organization <laughs> has found a way to bury Yuso Rikla. At this point, he's not even six feet underground. He's like 60 feet underground. Is this kid ever going to get a shot with the Penguins? And is there any reason that we continue to re-sign this promising young player just to watch him as, hey, if everybody else literally gets into a car wreck on the way, you're going to play right wing on the fourth line. That seems like the only purpose that they have for Yuso Rikla. I don't understand it. No, I don't hate Mike Matheson. No, I don't hate Colton Sevier. No, I don't hate the prospect of trading Patrick Hornquist. But this move altogether and the outlying stuff, other than the fact that it makes Brandon Tanev a surefire move up in the lineup and an added minute bonus for him, I don't like this trade. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I don't care. (laughs) I mean, like I said, no one's liked anything Rutherford has done this summer fall spring i have like i i liked the kapanen trade we're complete opposites right now i freaking hated that trade (laughs) i listen the kapanen trade makes at least it makes more sense sense. i'll say that what what did we talk about last episode jim rutherford is trying to open up oh right to be active in free agency he just added on seven hundred thousand dollars to our total cap so he just shrunk our cap space. Yeah, I wrote that as a talking point because, first of all, when's the last time the Penguins made a move in, in free agency? When's the last time we made a real splash? I mean, Brandon Tanev last year, Jack Johnson the year before. Do they count, though? Like, when's the last time we found I mean, the, the player? the numbers make it a splash. <laughs> okay, subtract Jack Johnson. Tanev, pretty big splash for our team right now. I had to look it up. Genuinely, when's the last time we made a really big name, like big name move? Sergey Gonchar in 2005. <laughs> the Penguins aren't a team that attack free agency. Unless I, I'm missing one, that's the first no, one I've found. I, I'm thinking, and it's really all draft and trade, yep. especially with Rutherford, who's made over 50 trades in five years. But yeah, I, if it's Gonchar, that's crazy but at the same time he just said that he wants to do that guess what you you can say you want to do that all you want it's hard to make a splash in free agency when you're looking for bottom six forwards and third pairing defensemen those are not splash names i'm gonna leave it at that i will say one thing that i like about this trade other than the tanf thing actually it is another tanf thing it means we're probably not gonna sign chris tanf (laughs) Oh, hell no. It, that's the other thing. All these names that we're talking about for signing free agents, like I wrote some down, Chris Tan of Shattenkirk, Jesper Fast. Alex Petrangelo, Taylor Hall. And... Jesper Fast is like the only one I looked at and was like, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> but like for now, it's you can't make a splash in free agency and no team if you're searching for your bottom six and your and your last two. Those aren't splash names. Like those aren't the ones they that are. are gonna, if you, if you want them to be, they're not the ones that are going to be catching the headlines on Sportsnet the next day, being like, "So how about this move? The Penguins signed Chris Tanev to go on the third line." Yeah, no, we don't need to talk about that because Taylor Hall is getting signed for eight million thousand trillion dollars. I don't know why I stopped at eight million to Colorado. Yeah, to wherever. <laughs> it's. It's ludicrous the idea of him saying I'm trying to make a splash of free agency when 
you're just trying to you're trying to find your depth. Those aren't splash names. Like yeah. Chris Dan is I mean, it, a top pair. Shattenkirk might be a bottom two at this point, but he's not getting paid like a bottom two. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the best way to put it is most GMs and most podcasters, I guess, are playing checkers while Jim Rutherford is playing with, I don't know, Sudoku board or something. I don't know. He He's doing something completely out of left field, but and in conclusion, like I said, and hopefully it's working for the team. I don't know, man. Some of these moves are suspect. So in conclusion with this trade to wrap it all up, he added $700,000. Yeah. To the team's salary cap. He found a bottom pair defenseman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the Penguins have eight defensemen on their roster. Okay. He got a fourth line guy. That's cool. That means there's four bottom six guys signed that are ready for the start of next season. Five if you include Zach Aston Reese, who will probably end up missing the first two, maybe three months of the season. But you still have about $6.1 million in cap space. Now, the problem with that is... They still need to sign Tristan Jari. They still probably should sign Dom Simone. They could still sign a Sam Lafferty, who's an RFA. You have Anthony Angelo, who's an RFA. You only have $6.1 million in cap space left. Plus, don't forget, let's keep mind of the fact that the Penguins are going to have an internal cap. We don't know what that is, but it's reportedly around... Five to six million dollars underneath the salary cap. So if that is what they're actually operating under, they have about 0.1 or 1.1 million dollars left until they hit their internal cap. <sighs> Something's gonna give. Yep. Whether that's a Jack Johnson move, which you know, cross my heart, I really hope happens, or that's something else that's gonna be crazy happens. Brian Russ's name came up in the news cycle. God, let's not do that. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But there, there's gonna be a move something's going to happen. And if it's before October 9th, I'm going to probably lose my mind. Just think of the names that have been rumored to have been traded this summer so far. You mentioned Brian Rust, who, not yet. One day, maybe. Just not at this very moment. Chris Letang. Again, not yet. (laughs) Not yet. You want to talk about that down the road? Sure. Jack Johnson, please. I want Jack Johnson to retire a penguin. Well, fuck us, right? <laughs> Basically. All in all, Hornquist, man. The one that had to be had to be the dog taken out back for this. I guess so. He's Listen, the, he's I... old, I guess. He's slow. His, his production's only going down from here. It made sense. I think it sucked that he kind of had to waive his no trade clause for it. Yeah, when they reportedly couldn't get a hold I of him. I love that. I want that to be the reason why. I want the insurance thing to be a farce. I really want it to be. They just, just couldn't get a hold of him. He just saw incoming call. Jim Rutherford wails his phone against the wall and says, we're hiding in the basement. Get into the shelter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I just want it to be like he was napping or some just random yeah. bullshit. <laughs> but, well, I mean, we had a lot of good years with Patrick Hornfist. The one thing that did annoy me a little bit is I made that design that graphic oh yeah for your trade tree and then you know what i just didn't update it for it posted it saturday just didn't update it that at this point it was too much work so that's okay uh, that's an amendum the trade tree continues 
Um, yeah, and there's two players. One of them's only 26, so it, it's probably gonna spring out from there too. Absolutely, and like they said, we I'm burning one candle for Hornquist. I'm gonna start doing this a lot this summer. I think I don't know why, because I don't have a use for candles otherwise. I don't normally light them. Uh, if someone gets injured or traded, I think I'm gonna start lighting that for them. That'll be my injury and trade candle. <laughs> The death of their opportunity to win the Iron Penguin Award in 2020-2021. But uh, before we move on from this, I just wanted to say one more time, thank you to Patrick Hornfist for his many years of service to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, game-winning goal in 2017, empty net goal in 2016, Stanley Cup runs. You wish that all of your favorite players could retire a Pittsburgh Penguin. It's just not the case, man. It's not. And like I mentioned, Hornquist's legend will live on in Pittsburgh lore forever. Without yeah. doubt, you're not going to be able to roll through a Penguins Stanley Cup highlight clip and not see at least his goal from 2017. If you want to dig into deep details, his overtime goal against the Capitals in 2016. I was about to say that's my favorite goal. Yeah, is his overtime winner against Braden Holt being the he's, gas. He's in our record books as it stands, the fastest hat trick in team history mm-hmm. against Colorado. And. Uh, I think there's like one other thing that I can't remember right now, but he he's he'll be remembered in Pittsburgh forever, man. Like there's no no doubt about it, and it's not just from being a on a cup winning team. It's being a contributor. It's being a huge mm-hmm. name in the locker room, a huge face in the locker room, and being one of the few members from the god awful 2014-15 team. Yeah, that yeah. went on to win the cup the next year. Yeah. And we're, we're running on almost a half an hour here talking about the Patrick Hornquist trade. So we will move on in this show. Uh, one last thing, though, before we move on from that. When Hornquist scored that hat trick, do you remember where we were? Where we were? Yeah. Are you going to say we were there? No, we were not there. He scored all three of those goals in the time it took us to leave the station at WPPJ to get back up to our houses in Mount Washington. By the time we got back up, sta- up wow. to Mount Washington, all three goals were scored. I don't remember that. Yeah. I I wish I did. It popped into my mind as soon as you said that. But uh, we're going to move on here, talk a little bit about NHL putting fans in the stands for next season. Before we do that, a quick shout out to our sponsor at coolhockey.com. Visit them at coolhockey.com slash THPN. Use the promo code THPN for 30% off your new favorite hockey jersey. They have premium hand stitching. They've been going since 1999, and they are the best jersey salesman in canada and probably all of north america so check them out like i said coolhockey.com slash thpn promo code thpn for 30 percent off your new favorite nhl jersey so here we are talking about next season already for the nhl gary bettman came out before one of the stanley cup final games which has been a pretty good stanley cup final i mean right now we're a little behind in the middle of game four as we're recording this But Gary Bettman came out and said he still would like to play an 82-game season, have a normal playoffs for the 2020-21 season, and that they are currently eyeing a late December and or early January start as of right now, which unfortunately dampers my hopes of the NHL coming back on exactly my birthday in early December, but I didn't expect that to happen anyway. Horwat, this was your idea to talk about the fans in the stands mm-hmm. before we get into that. When do you realistically think the NHL can come back? Do you think that er- late December, early January is realistic? I think early January more or less is more realistic. I think it makes more sense too, just so you can, first of all, not call it the 
god-awful 2020-2021 season. It's called the 2021 season. <laughs> Starting there. It's going to just make things easier to say. That's the one thing the MLB has on the NHL. They just have to say one year. Oh, it's amazing, isn't and it? And every other league. Most every other. NBA doesn't. You got to cut on the NBA. And if you talk about football, it's weird because then the playoffs are the next year. Anyway, realistically, I think January makes more sense for a couple different reasons. And the idea of having a full 82-game season, I think I said this whenever oof, like whenever this all first started and we were talking about getting things restarted and going into next season and everything. How many seasons are you trying to affect with this? Because now you really, because if you're trying to play a full 82 with a full playoffs, well, now you are digging into a third season of moving and shaking dates around because of this virus. Which, if that's what you got to do, it's what you got to do. But a whole 82 game sounds like a bad idea, especially if they're trying to finish it by, ooh, I forget when exactly. I think they said, there was one report that said they wanted to try and finish it like a normal season, like finish the regular, se- finish regular, oh, season, regular in season in April, April and then do a regular play. You're not playing 82 games in four months, homie. If you are, you're killing half of your players. Yeah. Um, that just sounds like a bad idea. So don't do that. So now you, <laughs> so if you think of, if you're not going to do that, then you really are affecting the next season. So now you are affecting three seasons with this, but you got to start in January. I would, my idea is start in January, shorten it, play 48 like we did in 12, 13. Yeah. Play 48 like you did there. Um, it makes more sense because then you can do your full playoffs and end it where you want it to. And then you're starting the next season at a normal time. Mm-hmm. As for the fans thing, this popped up whenever. I was listening to the Steve Dangle podcast, and they said that Dallas has been hosting um, in-arena watch parties, Watch parties, which, yeah, because having fans in the crowd has been a state-by-state thing. Mm-hmm. We've noticed football has already started having fans in Florida and Texas. I believe the only state's doing it right now, but that's going to pick up, and the NHL is watching the NFL this season and how they're implementing fans how they're taking care of their players and how you know they're doing business and i think it's a smart move for once to follow the nfl and what they do it's not rare it's not rare you say yeah follow the nfl's footsteps yeah that's very true but i mean i mean if you look at look at all sports right now most sports at this point have figured out that there are multiple ways to do this mm -hmm. ufc has done a fairly good job, and they were the first people to, to come back and to have events. And that's fine, because you have a lot less people there. The yeah. NBA has done a fantastic job. The NHL has, has been reported zero positive cases in the bubble. And that's for everybody. Yeah. The MLB had a rocky start to their season, but they figured it out towards the tail end. Mm-hmm. And they've kind of quelled it and figured out what was wrong, and they kind of fixed it. And that's them traveling, too. Traveling to different stadiums, and that's Every day, every week, the NFL, of course, has the benefit of only traveling once a week. And they've done, as far as I'm, as far as I've heard, they haven't really had any outbreaks. So they're figuring this stuff out. 
the NHL, with the benefit of going through this bubble playoff and doing it the correct way, know some of the procedures and things that they need to install and instill in their arenas because they're not going to be able to do a bubble again. It's pretty obvious. No, small market teams. Small market teams. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Columbus is always the first one that comes to my mind. I don't know why. You got Columbus. You have the Arizona Coyotes that are going to struggle unless you Mm -hmm. do something like that. Even somebody like the New Jersey Devils who are in Newark. They're close to the New York area, but I feel like they're still a mid-market team. Yeah, a lot. Most teams, honestly, live and breathe and make their profits, for the most part, off of gate revenue. And a lot of teams cannot justify putting their millionaires on the ice without a crowd. Now, as for getting people into the stadiums and getting your gate revenue, which is where it needs to be, because that's going to be the reason why these teams make their money this upcoming season. You got to do it the right way. Obviously you got to, I mean, Dallas is hosting their watch parties, but they're doing it. They're keeping everything socially distant. The masks, the masks are a uh, rec- er, mandatory mandatory i almost said recommendation mandatory <laughs> recommendation well in texas they may as well a lot it. of people a lot of people think it's a recommendation but it's not it's mandatory, it's mandatory. so <laughs> please wear a mask and if you would prefer a tip of the iceberg mask at tip of the iceberg dot what for apparel.com Continue. Damn right. yeah like they're doing everything right they're having you sit in like little pods of your group and then you're separated away from other ones i haven't looked too much into detail at it but that's how they're doing it and I think if you can get, I'm trying to think of how many seats there are at uh, PPG. It's like 18,000. 17,866, I believe. I might be wrong, but I know it ends with 66. Are you sure there's not 66 suites and it ends in 87? I don't know. It's something it's one stupid of those like two. that. Who, who cares? There's a lot of, there's about 18,000 seats. Yeah, that's why I said. Think of I it as 18,000. you finish it with that. You're good. Think of it as 18,000. I don't know what 20, 30% of that is. I don't know what exactly the the, the uh, law will be at that point <laughs> because this does also probably have to get state approval. So, like, if we were to get approval from Governor Tom Wolf about um, letting people in, that means the Flyers will have the same situation. So we're going to be in the same boat with that. And letting people in, it's going to be pretty much just watching how football has been doing it. How have they been handling fans in concourses, bathroom situations, obviously at the seats. Because the way it really is, is you have to worry about everything on the property. Mm -hmm. Anything off is free game because, (laughs) I mean, there were tailgaters down at Heinz Field for the home opener, if you will. Yeah. People are going to do whatever they want to do. If it's not on your property, you can't help it. And, and you know what? If it's not on your property, unless they knew going in, like that Kansas City fan, that's the other thing too. Kansas Kansas City Chiefs had a fan come in with who had it. I guess didn't know until after. I don't know the whole story. But they tracked it down. There was also tracking going on in the facility of the stadium. So, so hmm. they were able to notify. I did not hear about that story. Really? Okay. So Kansas City was able to track down exactly who it was and they came in contact with all the workers that may have come in contact with the, with that person and did full detail like that. Holy shit. So the NFL is taking it kind of seriously and good for them. The NHL can, oh, I would hope so. Yeah, and the NHL <laughs> can probably do 
a fair bit of similarity to that. Smaller arena, so you have a better idea of who is where. <laughs> I'm not saying you got to track everyone, pay, you know, spot for spot, but you know, if you have to dig into security cameras to see that, oh, this person went to this specific popcorn stand, whatever, mm-hmm. then you just have to warn that worker. It's all it is. It's not so yeah. much saying, hey, this person, like, you came in contact with this person. You can't come in for two weeks. It's get yourself tested now. Go see what's going on. Do all it's the It's all about bringing digging. awareness to whoever could possibly have gotten it. Yeah. So it's, And a lot of it's going to be also changed whenever a vaccine comes out. Now I get that it's not, okay, vaccine's out. Everybody's good. It's okay. This is going to help it. If you have proof of vaccination, that might be another step. Who knows what's going to happen at that point. But before we continue, I do want to mention, according to Google, PPG paints arena has a seating capacity of 19,758 seats. I don't know what happened with the whole 8766 thing. Who knows? It does it, whatever, but it's interesting that you mention all of this stuff that's coming up. It's going to be something that is a focal point of if the NHL can return. Yeah, it's going to be. It has to be one of the talking points because, like I said, a lot of these teams can't justify putting their team on ice without people, without getting more money because they're going to be losing money in their cap mm-hmm. than they are with everything else. And it's going to hurt because there's a lot of – like we see teams spending however much money on the cap, right? What we don't yeah. see is how much they're spending on coaches, you know, how much the facility is to run because they because the teams don't normally own not they do own the building, but the things inside the building are not owned by them. I mean, you look at the Arizona Coyotes, they are late on rent to their oh, arena, the Gila yeah. River Arena. So there's I mean, I don't want to bash on the Coyotes on this podcast just because that's I don't they they get bashed on enough. They get too much. But yeah, it's, it's just it's a hard financial situation for everybody in the league. There's layoffs basically happening league-wide unless you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And even then, there might be layoffs in Toronto. So who knows what can happen unless the NHL can get butts and seats for next season. And to not circle back too far, when you're talking about Bettman still wanting an 82-game season and a normal playoffs and, and fitting it all into that small of an amount of time, it's... It's impossible. It's not something that you can do. It's just, it, it's not feasible. I don't understand why he, he still believes. And if he does, here's the problem. If you do want to do that and you do end up pushing this back and we get summer hockey again, which, yay, we all loved it. Summer hockey, that was fantastic. It's great. I love the fact that it's September 25th and we're in the Stanley Cup final. That's cool, I guess. But at the same time, I love what you mentioned there. Do you really want to fuck up the following season? Yeah, it's... Especially with... Sorry. One last thing. Especially with the new TV deal going up that year. Especially with the Seattle Kraken starting their expansion expansion franchise that year. Ooh. Do you really want to start them out in a weird season? This is important stuff that you don't want to affect all that much. It's a delicate balance, especially with an expansion team. Yeah, it worked out in spades for Vegas, but before that, do we remember what the latest expansion team is? Ooh, yes, and I believe it's Atlanta? No. Yeah. yeah, Atlanta. How did that go? Not well. It did not go well, and even if it was an expansion, if it was just somebody move, a team moving down there, they didn't do it well. It's a delicate balance when you start a new team in a new city. You don't want to start that up with a fucked up season. No, you don't. 
So especially, I'm sorry to circle too far back there, good, but especially whenever you consider they're starting with a messed up season, and then I mean teams might teams might be a little smarter about who they give up this year too, considering we saw what Vegas did in their first season, taking the mm-hmm. the quote unquote, and it's it was such a bullshit quote, the Golden Misfits. The, the, the guys nobody wanted on their team. No, that's that wasn't the situation. It was just guys that, you know, the teams really didn't have any choice but to expose. Some of them were missing. See, mis- that's a lot better than the X generation. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the players may have been the golden misfits, like the two from Florida and Flurry, but that we're not talking about that. Most of the team were just guys that the teams were unlucky and just couldn't uh, keep them. I mean, there are a lot of players that teams gave up draft picks to ensure that they were the ones taken. One that comes to mind was Shea Theodore. Uh, Yikes, Anaheim. Come on, guys. But uh, I think we're getting a a little off track here. Yeah, because there's still, like, one more point to be made about having people coming in. and um, But, yeah, no, you don't want to start off Seattle in a shit situation. Yeah. Bringing back to the idea of having people in the arenas, who are these people going to be? Because... Every team has got their season ticket holders that are probably dying to get back. Uh, I will fuck it. I'll say it. I'm one of them. <laughs> but at the same I'm time, poor, so I'm not. It, well, here's the thing too. It's like <laughs> it, the, that's kind of the point I'm getting at is who would you rather have come back? Your season ticket holders, or do you want to invite the public into that? Not the public, but do you want to invite anyone? Like, do you want to general make admission? The general admission in. Do you want like? Do you just want to make every seat open? How? Because almost guaranteed, if you do season ticket holders only only certain teams are gonna be able to do that because mm-hmm. it's gonna be broken down team by team in a penguins perspective we could fill 20 percent of that arena 20 30 whatever season ticket holders only you could probably fill close to 50 percent with season ticket holders obviously i don't think it'll be 50 percent, but i'm no i said 20 30 because that would be the cap but yeah you could fill half the arena usually in just season ticket holders that's going to be the situation now is how many, because if you do season ticket holders, how are you sitting them? Because you got to spread them around. You got to keep them distant. It's going to be a weird situation. Now, if you bring in general admission outside of ticket holders, who do you, how are you going to sell them? Are you bringing back student rush? Are you no giving away <laughs> tickets? Like what are you? And doing here's here? the problem. Here's the problem with student rush. They're not going to do student rush for the simple reason that, their tickets, whenever they do come back, if it is at 20, if it is at 30%, those tickets are going to be priced through the damn roof. That's another part of it is how it's much going to be expensive now. as hell. So they're not they're not going to do student rush because they're not going to have a problem filling up 20% of their stadium after what? It'll be at, at least probably close to a year without anybody going to a Penguins game. There's still a lot of people, no matter what the price is, that they're going to pay to go watch that game. And I, I get that that's what we're going to close this segment out is, would you go to a game? But a, a big factor in that, especially for me and everybody else that's in a middle to lower class, they're going to look at a $200 ticket to sit in the nosebleeds to watch the Pittsburgh Penguins and say, especially after this pandemic, and look at it and say, it's not worth it. I'd love to go see them play, and trust me, I would almost give every anything to see them play, but I just can't swing that right now. And I mean that that's at least where I'm coming from. I would go in a heartbeat. If everything was done correctly, if mm-hmm. I was comfortable with the social distancing guidelines, I don't have a problem wearing a face mask anywhere. 
Wear your, just going to put that out there. Wear your tip of the iceberg mask. Wear a penguin mask. Yep. Wear a damn mask. It's it, That's not hard to do, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen the videos of the of the crowds in these football stadiums. They're not wearing them in their seats. No, Granted, you should be. Point, you're, yeah. But it's, I mean, I, you should be because you're going to be on TV probably, and it's going to be like, it just looks better to have it on to tell the public, hey, wear your friggin' mask. But as for, like, when you're in your seats, you're going to slide it down. You're going to take it off. You're going to be eating. You're going to be drinking. That's another mm-hmm. part, too. How much eating drinking are you going to be able to do here? I mean, I don't know how it is in other arenas at PPG. You alcohol consumption is or alcohol sales are stopped after the second intermission. Are they cutting that which back? Which is smart. It is. Which is which is smart. <laughs> yeah, and now so are you going to be cutting that back because the alcohol law in Pennsylvania is already you can't have it unless you have food. You yeah. can't like are you going to be able to go up and just buy a beer at a game? See now, all these different factors that I hadn't thought about before. Yeah, there's there, there's a lot out. that's going into this. That if we go down that rabbit hole, this will be a three hour episode, and Isha might actually walk the whole way to Pennsylvania to slap the crap out of us. As but, long as he's willing to hang out, screw it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'll bike all the way over. Yeah, as I'm long sure as there's no nice trees trail. in his way. We'll, we'll take him to a nice trail for a bike, but yeah, no, it's it's a lot of details that have to get that have to get thought out and go into it. Basically, if the correct guidelines are followed, and like I said, if the NFL can pull off a whole 17-week season, at least in Florida and Texas and Kansas, or is Kansas City doing every game with fans? Or I don't. Is, I have no idea. Or is that just that one? If those two states and then maybe more afterwards can go through a whole 17-week season with fans, sparsely, you know, sparse amount of fans, I'm not saying mm-hmm. fill the damn stadium. And more are going to be included. I guess the Steelers might be getting some soon. Tennessee will have them when the Steelers are there, actually, in a couple weeks. So to see how that happens, how that works out. The NHL is going to be taking notes, watching them, and seeing how they do it. The NHL might have fans next season in that same capacity, just fewer spread out and hopefully wearing a fucking mask. (laughs) Well, the timetable definitely works out for the NHL's favor because if they're coming back in that late December, early January, the NFL will already have been throughout at least three quarters, if not more, of their season. So you'll know the results of how all of that's working out. You'll know how it works out when they start amping up how many people can get in there. So the NHL is in a good position right now to sit back, watch it, enjoy the fruits of their labor with the bubble in Edmonton and Toronto because it was done fantastically. But... We are going to move on here on the Tip of the Iceberg, episode 78. We're going to talk about the NHL awards coming up, and then, of course, we always have our pens poll and our shout-outs and call-out segment. But before that, as Tom Franklin of Blue Notes likes to say, we got to pay the bills. Here's a word from our sponsors at Manscaped. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even 
even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're talking NHL awards right now. Of course, they've been trickling in throughout the Stanley Cup conference finals as well as the Stanley Cup finals, but I wanted to talk here about the big five really quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run down through all five of them, then we're just going to give our opinions on overall what's going on and anything that caught your eye on it. Starting with Vesna, you had Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets. Norris goes to Roman Yossi in Nashville. The Selkie goes to Sean Couturier in Philly. And both the Hart and the Ted Lindsay Award go to Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers. Horwat, your thoughts on the NHL awards right now? Um, or this season, I guess. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, the Hart and the Ted Lindsay should have been Nathan McKinnon. The Selkie, Sean Couturier was bound to happen eventually. Uh, the Norris Trophy is a farce anymore. I think we can both agree that the Selkie is best defensive forward, right? Yeah. So we can have two defensive awards. Like the Norris, yeah, that's fine. Make it the best offensive defenseman, which would have been John Carlson this year. Yes. But here's the thing. Roman Yossi is head and shoulders above John Carlson when it comes to the fully encompassing duties of a defenseman. Thank you. That's why Drew Doughty wanted a couple years ago, because he knew how to play the word defense. Yeah, which is, it's it's ironic how you have to be able to do that to be the best defenseman in the NHL, which I'm not trying to take anything away from John Carlson. He had a hell of a season. He, there's a, he should have been a finalist, which he was. He came in second place. Roman Yossi was a better defensive defenseman than John Carlson was. And you want a reason for that? And I know that, you know, Hockey Troll and Polly Cupcakes are going to roll their eyes. Norris Trophy winners don't get beat like John Carlson got beat by Evgeny Malkin in that one game this year. That's You, you can't let that happen. And I get that that's a one-time thing, but there were other instances where John Carlson did not look great in his own zone. Again, hell of a defenseman. One of the top five defensemen in the league, definitely this year. But Roman Yossi, to me, it, I picked him as my winner when we did this a couple months ago. He He's the winner. He's, he was the best defensive defense. He was the best defenseman. And Q hockey troll looking for a video of Roman Yossi getting burned this year. Um, because every defenseman gets burned at one point or another. Yeah. Roman Yossi just happened to be it's a little It's the better. NHL. It's going to happen. Yeah. Roman Yossi just happened to be a better defenseman this year, according to, I forget who votes on the Vesna or on the Norris. The Norris, I believe it is hockey writers, which uh, also, if we want to talk about NHL awards... We are going to mention the fact that Chris Letang finished in the top 10 in Norris. Good for Evgeny him. Malkin finished in the top 10 in Hart. And the one I actually didn't have on here, uh, Kale McCarr won the, why can't I think of the name of the, the, the award? Of the, the Rookie year. of the Year. <laughs> yeah, the, the Calder. Yep. Couldn't think of that. He won the Calder. But John Marino did finish in the top 10. Eighth. Eighth. 
So we have Penguins finishing in the top 10, so a little bit of love for the Penguins. I don't think any of them deserve to be finalists this year. But, I mean, that's nice as well. The only other thing that bothers me, I don't think Leon Dreisaitl deserved the heart. I do think he deserved the Ted Lindsay Award. That's fair. The heart, and it's the issue that comes up every year with the heart, which is why the <laughs> NHL Awards end up being a secondary segment on our tiny ass freaking podcast. The heart is not voted on correctly. Most valuable player. You're telling me you take away Leon Dreisaitl and the Edmonton Oilers aren't at least a middling team with Connor McDavid. There's a lot of arguments being made about Connor McDavid being, he should be winning the heart every year. He's the most valuable to their team. You want me to be honest with you? You want my hot take on that? That team is bad with or without him. He, I don't think he makes too much of a difference there. <laughs> he doesn't. Is he a great player? Absolutely. I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying he's on a terrible team, and it's bad enough that he's not helping it. Did they finish fifth this year? Yes. You know who they lost to? The Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> All I'm saying is that they can be a decent team with them all I'm, they had mcdavid and then they had the Hart and ted Lindsay winner on their on the same team for most of the season neither of them were really hurt that long term and they sucked i'll say it it's not a good team you want a better guy for the heart how about the other two finalists i mean nathan mckinnon yep. yes you can argue had the calder memorial trophy winning guy as his number one defenseman, which is Kale McCarr. Yes, there were times where he did have both Gabe Landeskog and Miko Rantanen. But yes, also, those two players were out for extended periods of time. But here's my vote. Why wouldn't it go to Artemi Panarin? Yeah, I get that Mika Zibanejad was lights out this year whenever he was healthy. Again, there's that caveat, whenever he was healthy. Mm -hmm. But Artemi Panarin, how often do you see a guy sign the big ticket deal, then come in and be every bit of what he was supposed to be especially in a place like new york i think panarin deserved the heart again i'm not going to give too much credence to it after we stop talking about it because nhl awards really they don't move the needle especially whenever you announce them in the middle of the stanley cup final <laughs> right so yeah i agree with most of this connor hellebuck definitely agree with that sean couturier he deserved it a couple years ago, so I can see him winning it now. Roman Yossi, yes, I agree with. The Ted Lindsay to dry soda, yes. The Hart, no, not really. And, and the Calder, it could go either way. What makes it even funnier is, like I would mentioned, the definition is quite literally most valuable to your team. Nathan McKinnon had 94 points. I believe that's 40 more points than who was second on the avalanche that sounds pretty damn valuable to their team that the avalanche are probably not a playoff team without them you take away those 94 points where are they? this season yeah because of the injuries to ranton and landis cog yeah i agree i like the idea of panarin yeah he had help too but that's a team that is quote unquote rebuilding and was mm -hmm. a fairly good team and he was a huge part of it if not the biggest part of it they also went out and got him. Yeah. Honestly, if if he was to, if he was to win the MVP there, that's a team win because they went out and got him because they're in a rebuilding phase and they needed 
the juice, and he was it. So that's a team win for that one, too. He was the juice, and he was the bread. And now, unfortunately, he's never going to get a chance to win the heart. That's my hot take. He will he will yeah. never get another chance to win the heart because they're getting another guy by the name of Alexi Lafreniere. And if you think that the NHL Writers Association is going to vote for Artemi Panarin when he has Zibanejad, when he has Lafreniere, and when he has Adam Fox, which for some reason got a first-place vote for the Calder. If you think that Panarin's going to get a chance to win the heart again, he's going to have to put up asininely crazy numbers. He's going to have to be in the 130s in points, in my opinion. Ooh. So, unfortunately, I don't think he has another shot at the heart, but I think we should move on. We're beating a dead horse here with the NHL awards. It's gone. It's over. We'll argue about it in another year whenever it comes up. Whenever the Penguins are involved in it and again, then we'll really get into it. <laughs> yeah, well, who knows when that's going to be. Sam Poulin for Calder next year. Watch there out. <laughs> but before we continue here on the tip of the iceberg, as we do every week, we're going to give you a show promo from the Hockey Podcast Network. This week, we're going to check in with our old buddy TR, Terry Ryan, and his show, Tales with TR, a hockey podcast. Tales with TR, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow Terry Ryan on all social media platforms. New episodes every Tuesday or Thursday, wherever you download podcasts from. We're back here at the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Horwat, pretty good episode so far, hitting the hour mark as of right now. Oh, yeah. We only got our normal segments left, Pence Poll and Shoutouts and Callouts. But before we get into that, I want to ask you if you had to name your favorite player from the X Generation years that didn't end up being Flurry or Malkin or Crosby or Latang, who would it be? And who, like, if, even if you go back and look at the pictures, who uh, would you love to see? Oh, I would have to look at the pictures because the roster is not coming to me right now. No? The, the easy answer is Lemieux because, obviously, he was there. Well, um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty simple. I think I got a fun one because it's the name that kind of always stuck with me from going to games as a kid. Joseph Melikar. Joseph Melikar. There you go, buddy. That's a good one. See, mine is the legend. Rico Fata. Oh, Rico Fata. You gotta love Rico Fata. He was like a ninth overall pick. Yeah, he was supposed to be sick. Yeah. And he was for 20 seconds. And he ended but... up being barely better than his brother. Bet you didn't know he had a brother that played. Yeah, that's true. But uh, the reason I bring this up again, not only to go with the theme of our opening segment with the whole X generation, is our Pens poll this week. Who has been the best backup goaltender of the Crosby and Malkin era? This one was fun, too. Yeah, I know. I forgot it for a second. I was so upset, and then I fi it finally came back to me. Yeah. So the, the results are in, and the winner was Tomas Vokun at 65%. Kind of ran away with this one, which yeah. is fine. It's to be expected. But there's fun stories about all these guys. Brent Johnson comes in second place at 23%. Jeff Zadkoff finishes in third with 10%. And now here's the problem. When I post these polls, if I say other, I usually type in comment below because I'd like to know who you're thinking of because I might not have thought of them. Two things. One, we had nobody comment to answer the other. So whoever that is, fuck you. <laughs> and two, if it is Jordan Slobodinsky trying to say Casey to Smith, then he should have just, just said Come that. clean. Yeah, come clean. We get that you like Casey to Smith. We know where you live. 
I actually don't. I don't know. So. I'm sure I could ask him before he even <laughs> listens to this and we could really uh, know where he lives. Anyway. Fair enough. Yeah, no. Everyone on this one does have a fun story. Brent Johnson, the one-punch knockout on Rick DiPietro. Ending, ending his Rick career. DiPietro. Yep. Ending his career that was probably already going to be ended anyway. It uh, wasn't illustrious or anything, so. No. Jeff Zadkoff. I'll never forget Mr. Game 1. And then the cho- the choice that I made was Jeff Zatkoff, and that's purely because he carried our playoffs that year. <laughs> Whatever year he, he was carried here. our playoffs. Which year was that? Was that the 13? That was the trade year. That was the year we made you all You mean Vokun. Did, who did I say? You said Zadkoff, and I was like, what do you mean he carried the oh, playoffs? No. He played in one game. Yeah, I was I was trying to get <laughs> to Vokun, yeah. Gotcha. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that was the trade year, wasn't it? Here we brought in again Lamaro and... Yes. Yeah, that was the 2012-2013, the shortened season. Okay, maybe he didn't carry the playoffs, but Flurry sucked! He did carry the playoffs. He's the only reason we won in those playoffs, because Flurry, like you said, sucked. We're going to have to talk about Flurry in detail at some point, because boy, oh boy, what's happening there? Uh, it looks like he's he, he looks like he wants to stay with Vegas, so it's not our headache yet. Not yet, but I just... <laughs> I've heard I, some people were really defaming his name, and I was coming to defense... Yelling at my phone at people. Um. <laughs> Listen, when it comes to Marc-Andre Fleury, I posted that article from the fan this week. I sat back and enjoyed the people just saying yeah, you, all the fun stuff about you, it. You retweeted Andy's, my, my buddy Andy Lindbergh's piece. I thought that was fun. I was try, I was hoping to click it and it would just be like one of the fan radio people, but it was Andy. I mm-hmm. shit myself. But um, <laughs> what was I talking about? Vokun. Yeah, he carried the playoffs for the most part. Granted, we had a great team, and we really should have made the cup that year and should have maybe won it. But that we were thinking, yeah, all of that was going to happen if Flurry was able to play. <laughs> and he sucked. Yeah. But then Vokun came in. And it's in. not like Vokun, Vokun was amazing. Yeah. And then Vokun he was came great. in and carried. and then But we're thinking the whole time, like, this can only go on for so long. D- did we have to get swept by Boston? No, that could have ended better. It's not Vokun's fault. He gave up, like, six or seven goals in four games. Yeah, and we scored four, maybe. <laughs> it was we a scored, bad series. We scored three. Oh, I hate that series. Makes me sad. <laughs> I believe we scored three. I'll have to I'll have to stat check myself on that. But I, I voted for Tomas Vokun simply because of that reason, too, because that was the most hilarious Pittsburgh Penguins team. And by hilarious, I mean... Oh, you want a Hall of Famer? We just got a Ginla. I cried. You want a Hall? You want a good player? We got UC Jokinen. Oh yeah, one of my favorite Penguin players of all time. You want to cry? How about we get Brendan Morrow? Okay, that's fine. And it was just packing on offensive talent. That power play was just silly good, and they completely ran through. I can't remember who they beat in the first round, but they ran through the Ottawa Senators in the second round. Columbus, I believe. Columbus, or was it Columbus. the Islanders? Oh, uh, now I forget what year everything is. Who knows, man? It it was either the Islanders or Columbus, but then they definitely ran right through Ottawa and then, of course, didn't really get to do anything good against the Boston Bruins. But I loved what Thomas Vokun did that year. I think it's amazing story because it was literally just one year he came yeah. in, lit the world on fire, and then said, peace, and yeah. left. I like Brent Johnson knocking out Rick DiPietro, one of my fondest Penguins goaltending memories. And then Jeff Zadkoff, and he, he named Jeff, and he's great, and he was fine. But, uh, you know, other than the game one victory, he didn't really have much to him. Tomas Vokun, 
biggest contributor. If you want to talk about longevity, I think Brent Johnson might be the longest. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Brent Johnson is is of these three, he's definitely the longest. Yeah, See, and also may have had oh, not the best career. Thomas Vokun actually had a very good career before here. Brent Johnson yes. is kind of a career backup, but had a fairly good career for him. I mean, he loved his job. He loved what he did and played a long time. Zach Goff mm-hmm. came in, did some things, went back down to the minors, did some things down there, came up, did some more things, got traded, never saw the NHL again, really, mm-hmm. um, which is brutal. He's a, you know, seems like he could have been a decent goalie. I don't know. Career backup. While Vokun had a starting job forever in Florida um, and came here to retire. And damn it, we could have retired with a ring on his finger. Yeah, well, the Penguins weren't really close to beating the Boston Bruins that year, so we don't need to keep rehashing that. What say we go to our shoutouts and callout segment? And what say I make sure to put in the intro? Let, let's try it right now. You know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, the fishing was awful. It was just terrible. Made ridiculous. Oh, this is just too good. What is your major malfunction? He's a horse. He is just relentless as far as how he plays. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Shoutouts and callouts. Hopefully, I put in the intro, and hopefully, we're playing. That's gonna be the shout first by the Isley Brothers right now. That's gonna be the first thing you edit in this week, isn't it? Uh, oh yeah, it's gonna be the exact. I'm gonna open it up. I'm gonna put that in right in the bottom to make sure I put it in. But this week, brought to you by Manscaped.com. Go to Manscaped.com and use code THPN for 20% off and free shipping. Horwat, let's start with our callouts this week. Who are you calling out? Uh, like I said, I have two for uh, for uh, both. And I wanted you to go first on the shoutouts because I am gonna. I'm assuming you have one of them. But for my callouts, I want to quickly. I'll make this one fast. Call out Hockey Troll, our buddy at the network, for Ooh, his first inner network callout. Dude, his ice cold takes in the Slack chat this <laughs> week were so brutal. I sent one to you because. Uh huh. What did he say exactly? He said the Colorado Avalanche shit the bed this year, which. No, they didn't. <laughs> they may have been not. Yeah, their third string goaltender in. Yeah, they may have been taken out in the second round, but they made it to game seven with Michael Effing Hutchinson. <laughs> I don't know about that. Game That's... seven overtime, too. Yeah. Let's, let's not forget that. To a team that is, by the way, now in the Stanley Cup finals. They also lost Eric Johnson and another name I'm forgetting. That's Landis not sh- Gog. Landis Gog. Just their captain. Yeah, that's not shitting the bed. That's uh being hurt and somehow still getting wins out of your third string goalie um but yeah that just hit he had a few other takes that are coming to me oh something about the capitals roster still being effective in a couple years which it's not gonna be once they sign ovechkin to eight million trillion dollars that that shit's going downhill but yeah quick call for troll and his uh slack chat comments that were ice cold but my main call out goes to Craig Custance of The Athletic for not putting Jake Gensel on his Team USA World Cup roster if there was to be oof. a World Cup this offseason. Big oof. You put Max Pacioretty on over Jake Gensel. You put all love to Brian Rust. I said this in our group chat with Dougie. All love to Brian Rust. Gensel was better than Brian Rust. That might have just been recency bias because Gensel was hurt this year and Rust had a career year. That's fair, but 
you still put <laughs> Anders Lee and Brock Nelson over Jake Gensel. What kind of team are you trying to have with those two? Because you're not because you're not stopping Team Canada with those two. You're not. You're not. You're not playing Barry Trotz's system in the Olympics or and or the World Cup. Mm-mm. Cam Atkinson, don't get me wrong, he's a great player. I think I might put Gensel in over Atkinson, just barely. Gensel wasn't even an extra on this roster, or either roster, I should say, because he did one if North America was to be a thing, and if it wasn't. But my god, I put him on my damn Olympic roster, okay? <laughs> like... <laughs> you want to find that article? Go find it. It's on the Hockey Writers. I put him on my damn Olympic roster. <laughs> How is he not on this Team USA World Cup of Hockey roster? That means less. Is, is there a chance that he just forgot that Jake Gensel was a human being? My theory is... there a chance that he just didn't remember that Jake Gensel was a player in the NHL? That's possible. Part of me is also... <laughs> I'm going to sound so yinzer here and I don't care about it for 20 seconds. It almost seems like if you don't follow this team, you don't fucking know what's happening on this team. <laughs> anytime, and I'm going to specifically say, anytime Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, Jesse Blake talk about the Penguins, I almost always go, you're wrong. You don't know what's happening. Like, it's just the way it comes out every time. I think they were talk- saying something about Schultz and how good he was, and I was like, oh, clearly you're not watching then. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, Schultz was nowhere near... Yeah any modicum of the word good in the past two years. Don't get me wrong. I love the show and I listen to it every week because they talk about more than the Leafs and it's a great way for me to catch league talk. Anytime they get to the Penguins, I cringe because they're almost always wrong because they don't know exactly what's happening. See, that's why I listen to 31 Thoughts because they're paid to know everything. (laughs) And that sounds like a great idea. But no, my call goes to... Small one for Troll, the big one too, Craig Custance for not including Jane Gensel on his roster. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. My call out this week goes to Kevin Weeks for sort of breaking the Patrick Hornquist trade. I mean, he made us suffer for almost 24 hours after that tweet. And now in retrospect, I get it. How's he supposed to know that there's going to be complications with the insurance or the cell phone towers, wherever Patrick Hornquist is at or whatever that have you. But Weeksy, if you're going to break a trade, one, don't guarantee anything. <laughs> and two, make sure that it is pretty much done. Because <laughs> there was a, a while there where it was not expected to get done. Now, of course, a little bit of the heat comes off of Weeksy because it did get done. But... If it didn't get done, I would have been a lot harder on Kevin Weeks there. Could you imagine this recording if that trade didn't finalize? It would have been like, oh, well, first of all, we would have well, bullet dodge for me. We probably would have had a whole nother topic in there because we wouldn't have known what else to talk about. Well, we talked for 35 minutes about that (laughs) trade, so. Yeah, that would have been interesting. In all fairness to Weeksy, though, did it make the official announcement a little lighter? Yeah, because I had a day to sit there and look at Mike Matheson highlights and be like, uh... Get used to this. Um, And then they added Colton Sevier, and I was like, oh, God damn it! now I gotta do more re- research? What is this? And to be fair, Colton Sevier seems like a, the forward replacement, but... Yeah, no, that was brutal. I mean, the way... It, it's two trades in a row with Rutherford where it's, hey, here's this piece. Logs off. 
Oh, was, yeah. Was well, it Friedman that did it last time? Yeah, but that was the Kapanen trade. Let's not re- forget that the Bukestad trade is in between Oh, that's those. right. I was thinking. There's been a lot of trade. We're not even at free agency yet this year. The season isn't. They're playing the Stanley Cup finals as we speak. Yeah. And Jim Rutherford has made three trades. Three. Uh, and they're all roster players, too. That's not like minor leaguer for minor leaguer. These are all roster player traits that affect the roster NHL roster. Player. <laughs> the salary cap would have been affecting the roster players. LTIR roster player. All yeah, right. Well, but, I mean, that trade essentially opened up Jared McCann's contract. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I can see a call out for Kevin Weeks there just for not having the full information. But in fairness, we didn't know that was going to happen, and it did yeah. make it did make the official announcement a little bit lighter to take. Because there was a brief moment where we're all like, "This might not happen," and we have Horquist again next year. Let's move on, shall we? I don't think we would have had Hornquist if this trade would have fallen through. I just think he would have been sent somewhere else. That's the other thing, too, is how do you go back to a team that legitimately tried to trade you and everyone knows it? It's one. And that was and that was Hornquist's quote. They said, what was it? What was your thought process when they asked you to move the new trade? Was it hard for you? You said, well, when I figured out Pittsburgh didn't want me and Florida did, it was pretty easy. Yeah, because how do you honestly <laughs> like it's one thing if you are attempted to get traded, but no one finds out. Right. Yeah. It's one thing if like only you know about it. It's another when the whole friggin' Twitter sphere is like, hey, Horquist, you getting moved or not? Yeah. Well, he is moved. Weeks, he gets my call out this week. Let's move on to shout outs. I, you said you wanted me to go first. Yeah, you with go this, first because is... I'm assuming you might have one of my answers. Perfectly fine with me. I'll go first. My shout out this week goes to Steven Stamkos. And you did. He returned. <laughs> he returned to action in game three for the first time since February. Scored a goal in his first period, which should have been the game winner, but. God damn it, Miro Haskin and just had to pad his stats at the end of the game. Now, Stamkos didn't play in game four, but it's still a pretty cool story of him coming back in game three, scoring that goal, which was also beautiful goal. Amazing way to avoid the defenseman coming into the zone and then putting it top cheddar on Anton Hudobin. So Steven Stamkos gets my shout out this week. Hell of a goal. If he doesn't play again in the final in the finals it's still a hell of a story and i would imagine that he's going to be skating out there to accept the stanley cup on behalf of the tampa bay lightning you forgot the best part of the goal he dipped right after he said i'm done i'm out (laughs) i i got my business in uh you you guys don't have to put up the fight to put me on the cup i'm gonna be there because i contributed officially i dressed for a stanley cup final game you cannot deny me my right of being on the stanley cup if we win exactly (laughs) i was texting my buddy matt about it he texted me i think i was working actually so i didn't even know he was really starting he texted me saying how long is stamkos actually going to be in for i said i didn't even know he was playing really and i saw friedman i believe it was a lot of elliot friedman mentions tweet stamkos not on the bench for the second period i screenshot and sent it to him and said i bet you weren't predicting one period hey it was a hell of a period though great goal only played about I think he said like he had a minute 48 time on ice i saw the stat before the game today it was he, i didn't see the ice time i just saw five shifts yeah so make it an impact when he can shooting 100 percent. yeah well round us out horwat what is your shout out for this week since i stole one of your two yeah my other one i have to get the candle back out because i'm just shouting oh. out hornquist's tenure in pittsburgh uh oh 
honestly, like we talk, we didn't really talk about just Hornquist at the beginning. We talked about the whole trade. Yeah. Uh, what is? We'll just make this easy and simple, and just start with what's your favorite uh, Patrick Hornquist memory? Uh, I think I stated it earlier. It was his overtime goal against the Washington Capitals. And well, before you say yours, I do want to mention. You said that your shout-out's in memoriam of Patrick Hornquist's career as a Penguin. Somebody shot off a firework as soon as you said that near my house. Good. <laughs> so uh, they're pretty happy about it. But, yeah, no, his goal against the Washington Capitals in the playoffs, I believe it was game four of the 2016 series. Yeah, the 2016 series. So I believe it was game four. It was a home game. It was a home game. So that was my favorite memory, just sliding it into the five-hole. Of Braden Holtby. Off of oh, defenseman Weber, not named Shea. I can't remember his first name now. He like hit it to him. I watched the Weber? highlight the other day. It was Weber. It, it's like also from the Pittsburgh area, apparently. Alrighty, well then. Uh, A lot of details that. to that too. Yeah. Your your favorite Patrick Hornfist memory, sir? Mostly because I can remember it vividly. It's going to be the easy one. It is his goal in 2017 to win the Stanley Cup. That's the easy one I know. Here, you want me to change it? How about the year before? No, no, you're you're fine. Score the empty netter. No, because that's just one of those goals that finally, I mean, not finally, I saw it the year before. It's one of those goals where you vividly remember where you were when it happened. Yeah. And, you know, I can remember where I was for all three of the Stanley Cups that we were alive for. I can remember where I was. Mm -hmm. But that's the one where it's where were you whenever they went back to back. And I'm able to say, I can tell you, I was at my buddy's pool house. I was at Matt's pool house, who I just mentioned 20 minutes, seconds ago. Yeah. And I, his ch- the chair that he has is still there. I was sitting in that chair. <laughs> and I got... I, I was in about the seventh row at PPG Paints Arena's watch party. <laughs> there you go. That sounds fun, too. I've never been to one of those. But, no, it's just one of those moments you'll never forget. It'll live on and lure forever. And I think another favorite memory is just that the amount of times we would talk about him is just the quiet goal scorer. Like he's going to get you 20 goals a year and no one's, oh, yeah. and bar, no one's going to talk none. about it. Yeah. Yeah. And also the trade tree lives on <laughs> and the trade, the freaking trade tree lives on, man. Well, I, I think that's it. Unless you have anything else to contribute. I think we're, we're done here with episode 78. No, I'm all good now. I think that was a hell of a, talking episode we're at an hour 20 on recording here yeah that was fun that was good yeah that was good i can see the smoke coming out of the ending of the patrick hornfist episode episode 78 so we'll see you guys next week i hope you enjoyed this show let's go pens and uh hopefully another trade for us to talk about next week see you guys You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.